Welcome to From Field to Fatherhood, where we talk about our journey from being athletes to tackling our hardest tasks, being fathers. We talk about how we've used the lessons we've learned through sports to help us in guiding our families and working as a team in our family settings. I'm Dustin Whitlock, and joining me on this podcast is my brother Ricky Gibbs, a.k.a. Uncle RJ. Both of us are huge sports fans, so our podcast won't only cover talking about fatherhood, but also have a lot of sports talk with some special guests along the way. Our guest today goes by the Combat Gardener on social media. But we know him as Dylan Squeak Pacetti. Pacetti <laughs> served in the U.S. Army after high school before starting his uh, own landscaping and horticulture business. So, Pacetti, welcome to the show, man. And I said about the military, about the Army, but I didn't want to say the wrong thing. So, can you kind of say what you did in the Army? Yeah. So, uh, I joined the Army as a combat engineer, which is MOS is a 12 Bravo. So, I was basically an infantryman who carried explosives stuff up for a living um uh, i did one tour in afghanistan and over there we did route clearance so we cleared routes of ieds or improvised explosive devices they're the uh, number one killer of troops in the global war on terrorism and uh, i was actually a husky operator so i was the lead vehicle that would uh scan the road for the mines and i had you know 40 other guys behind me relying on me every single day to to find them or they were going to get their behind blown off so yeah that's just a little bit of what i did and i was also a paratrooper so i jump out of airplanes for a living Still do that to this day. So, yeah. We'd like yeah, to formally thank you for your service. As you for sure, for sure. I think appreciate the first it. on the podcast, so. Thanks. Well, yeah, I, pre- I appreciate you guys. And and to be honest with you, like, it's, uh, y'all had a, a hand at paving that route for me. And uh, and so, everybody, I mean, everybody who I was surrounded with in high school and growing up. Well, we, we appreciate that for sure. I mean, and uh, we call Pacetti Squeak. We're not going to call him that throughout the podcast. And, you know, we it's kind of what we call him, and it's from the movie Basketball. So <coughs> oh, we're, we're not going to say why we call him Squeak. Yeah, y'all but, can just uh, figure that out for yourselves. But just, just remember, the movie. well, you have to remember, though, that was based off of the person I was in high school before I joined the military. So, yeah. yeah. true. Hey, Squeak helped mold me into being a, a BA paratrooper that I became. So, hey. And you still get the jump. Everything happens for a reason, right? There you go. <laughs> well, RJ, you want to start it off, or would you like me to? No, I got it. All right, Pacetti. I'm going to just refer to you as Pacetti. So um, we'd like to start out with a little introduction just to kind of get you familiar uh, with the podcast, just get it flowing a little bit and yeah. let uh, listeners kind of know who they're talking or who they're listening to. So we mm-hmm. want you to open up and brag on yourself a little bit as um, an athlete. I know you played a lot of sports with us when we grew up, so just kind of talk about your background in sports and then kind of segue into you as a father. You don't have to mention any names, but talk mm-hmm. about you know, how many kids you have, what you like to do with your kids, and, and just kind of get opened up to start us off. Okay, so before I even get into myself, I just want to say that to everybody listening, I am one of the guys from the friend group in high school. Like There was about seven or eight of us that were always together, probably, I would say more or less four or five of us that were always together, but there was like seven or eight of us that were, we were just a group, we were always hung out, we always did everything together on the weekends, we all crammed in my little car, went wherever we were going to go race heck, I mean, we just, we always had a good time, so, but yeah, um, in high school, I don't want to try to use the word athlete too much, because I don't look at myself <laughs> as an athlete, right, I was a person who played sports to A, hang out with my friends, B, stay out of trouble, and see, because I just like being out there, right? It was fun. I enjoyed, I enjoyed it, you know, right? Even if I wasn't that athletically gifted in certain aspects, um, I was just, I was, I thought I was a good teammate, and I just, I loved being out there and play, playing sports. I played football. I did weightlifting all four years. 
Um, I played – so football I played my two years on JV. I played a year on varsity. And then my senior year I played one game. And then I kind of quit on that. Uh, it's one of my biggest regrets. We can get into that later if you want to. Um, and then I, like I said, weightlifting all four years. And I ran track my junior my junior year. So, yeah, I did a little bit of everything just to kind of stay busy. Um, I ran track because I was told if I wanted to switch to wide receiver, I had to run track because I had to go a little bit faster. If I could run a 4.7, I could switch to wide receiver. So I went from running a 5 flat to a 4.7. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then from high school, I kind of did a little shift change, went into the Army. I literally went like a month after high school. I gave myself no time uh, to kind of get ready to go. So I was in basic training from july to december basically and then i went to airborne school that was three weeks of learning how to jump out of airplanes and hit the ground as softly as you could um ended up getting stationed at fort bragg uh went to afghanistan for nine months did a tour over there came home i uh, ended up getting medically discharged from the military after my uh tour because i had a couple injuries and then um came home kind of trying to figure out what i was going to do with life and then um I found that gardening was like a big, you know, coping mechanism for me with, with PTSD and, and dealing with the things I was dealing with from my time in the military. And uh, I found out that I could go to school for it and get certifications in horticulture and, and things of that nature, landscaping and gardening. So that's what I did when I got my certifications in nursery management, uh, landscape management, sports turf management. And uh, right now I currently work for John Deere. Um, I have one son. I'm married. And uh, we're just we're doing the dang thing. My son just turned four and I just started coaching T-ball. It's my first ever experience with baseball. So it's kind of cool. I get to venture into a new sport with my son at the same time and I'm coaching it as well. So it's, it's very, very interesting, uh, very challenging at times. But it's, uh, it's been awesome, man. I love it. Yeah, you got to have some patience to run around and coach a bunch of four and five girls. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. But that's where I already have been a parent, you know, to a child that's currently, you know, four now, same as age as these other kids. It makes it a little easier because I know how to deal with it. And uh, the kids seem to listen pretty well. So, and, and their parents are out there, too. So if they get you out of line, they just they step in and they're like, hey, boy. <laughs> <laughs> there, there you go. That's what you need. Yeah, exactly. And it's cool because, like, a lot of the kids are kids that we went to school, like, graduated with kids. So, I mean, it's just it's, – it's – it's a cool experience seeing the whole circle, you know, come back around. Yeah, it's definitely coming full circle. I've noticed oh, yeah. that, like, uh, my son's, you know, he's only two and a half. He hadn't got to get into sports yet. So I'm, I'm weak. I know, I know, right? <laughs> but he's the same size as a lot of four year olds. But I'm like, you know what? Hopefully he just keeps getting bigger. So he's the size of a six year old by the time he's four. But, uh, so I like that, no, and I like how you talked about your gardening as a way to, you know, cope with your PTSD, and mm-hmm. you've been doing that, and, you know, tell us, you know, a little bit about that. You start, so you started out with Daddle Peppers, right? Yeah, so I, uh, my family, so my last name, Pacetti, is very prominent in St. Uh, Augustine. It's one of the, like, the founding families of St. Augustine, and Daddle Peppers come from Menorca, where my, my family's originally from, so I was kind of growing them to kind of uh, be able to cook some recipes from, from my family's heritage, and and uh make sauces and things like that and i found that i was really good at, at growing stuff when i started growing these peppers so i ventured into tomatoes and and uh bell peppers and just all kinds of other stuff and then i started went to school 
for horticulture science over at First Coast Technical College in St. Augustine. And that's where I really learned how to grow, you know, many other varieties of, you know, flowers and succulents and vegetables and fruits and, and things of that nature um, in a greenhouse environment or in a farming environment, you know, an agriculture environment. Um, you know, we had St. Augustine High School right next door, so we maintained all of their sports fields. I maintained their football fields during football season. I mowed them, you know, two or three times a week. I, I've, I painted them every week. I was painting the baseball field. I was painting the soccer fields. You know, I was doing all that stuff, which was awesome because I love sports. You know, we played against St. Augustine High School, you know, growing up. I, I lived in St. Augustine, you know, a huge majority of my young life. So it was just it was cool to get to do all that and to see all the kids out there um, that appreciated it. And um, kids also would come take our class as an elective for, you know, in high school. So as juniors and seniors, they would be in class with me. So I was more or less like in a supervisor position, like telling these kids what to do. Like if we were working on an irrigation system on the sports field, digging stuff up, they'd be digging trenches and stuff, telling them what to do. And it was, it was a pretty cool experience. So um, that was also when COVID hit too. So that was right at the end of when I was getting ready to graduate. So I started doing some home projects for people and doing, irrigation systems at home for a friend of mine i did that as a project and then um i graduated got a job at a nursery um that's when my son started having some medical issues so i had to quit that job and then i started uh documenting all my gardening endeavors on social media um, i thought it would be a good way to get exposure to other veterans and show you hey man this is what i'm doing to help with my ptsd you know maybe you could try it too because i'm all into alternative forms of treating your your health, you know, as far as like mentally, physically, things like that. Like, I feel like a lot of the things they, they push at you aren't necessarily good for you. It just keeps the money flowing uphill to them. So anyways, back to my gardening social media, that was a, uh, had to throw a little red pill in there. Uh, so I was just, I started documenting what I was doing and I started getting a lot of feedback and a lot of followers pretty quick. And, um, and that just drove me to want to do more. So I started doing little projects and doing little how-to videos and things like that. And I'm still kind of in limbo with social media. I'm not where I want to be. It's just because, you know, being a dad and having a family and things like that. Eventually, it'll get there, right? So this year, I've got it all planned out that I'm, I'm going to have a, a lot bigger year in the garden because we just bought a house, you know, within the last year. So been trying to get that figured out as far as where I want to keep it, like where I want to put my garden, what area of the yard gets the most sun, you know, things like that. So now that I've kind of got it honed in, I'm going to, I'm going to really go uh, expand my operation this year. Got some chickens going this year. Uh, we're getting a ton of eggs right now, which is a blessing because, you know, the price of eggs shot through the roof right after I'm telling you right after I got my chickens, the eggs shot through the roof. I was like, Holy cow, that going to happen at a more perfect time. There you go. And uh, yeah, so that's where I'm at. I started a website, combatgardener.com. Um, I use that website to help spread awareness for PTSD as well as I'm, I sell. Uh, right now, I'm only selling seeds. I'm, I'm planning on venturing into other gardening supplies as far as like pots, gardening tools, um, seed starting mixes, you know, anything you need to work in, in the garden and be successful, I'm going to supply on my website. Um, but right now, I'm only selling seeds. But hey, you got to have seeds to start the garden, right? You can't have uh, end product, uh, an end harvest without seeds. So you. Uh, don't That's you have to you have hose to get the ground ready before? <laughs> you you got to have hose, bro. You know that. <laughs> All right. It's the family-friendly podcast, guys. I'm talking about garden hose, like what you use to water your plants or what you use to, till, to, to manually till your earth. I mean, come on, Dustin. Where's your mind at? 
Also, <laughs> I just got to add, Pachetti said he was part of our friend group in high school. I mean, we still have the same friend group. Oh, yeah. And uh, he might be – well, Pachetti, you might be the only one that we have on this podcast that I've known close to as long as I've known RJ. Yeah. Because I met you in seventh grade, right? Yeah, I moved here in eighth grade, actually. It was eighth grade. So, eighth grade. So, I – RJ, we met what fifth or sixth grade because of our dads and Pop Warner. We met in elementary school with Pop Warner and we played uh, rec soccer together. Yeah, yeah, there we go. So yeah, but still, like I remember, I met you. You're, you, I think Vince was the first friend I ever made. I met him walking the streets. He invited me to play basketball. Yeah, and Fudo, and yeah, and then <laughs> and then I met you at Beasley, and I was at your house literally every day, either on the front porch, uh, downloading music. I won't say on what's on what source for legal reasons. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was literally at your house every single day. I slept there all the time. Like it was right down the road. It was. We were tight. Oh, yeah. We were, we were boys, man. I, I was new to this area and I didn't have a lot of friends, but we became good friends really fast. You know. That's right. Yeah. So our first question is: since RJ did the brag on yourself, I'm going to go ahead and just segue into our first question. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think we, I think I might know who it is, but we'll see. So shout out your favorite coach and explain your relationship and anything that they may have taught you that you know you've taken into fatherhood or in life in general. So I, I think I actually have two coaches, but I think I'm I'm gonna add a, a third for like as far as like mentor slash coach because they filled the same role but in a different aspect, a different part of my life in the military. So in high school, my two coaches that I looked up to the most were, of course, Gordon Roberts. Gordon Roberts. Be- because the coordinator, baby. Well, and, and, I, and I say that because I grew up, I didn't have really, ha- I wasn't close to my dad. Right, He was in my life, but we were not close at all. And uh, he was that, like, tough mentor I needed. Like, he's the one who was always razzing me, who was always, like, pushing me, like, hey, man, you're not doing enough. Like, you need to do better. And things like that. So, whenever ninth grade, I started weightlifting, Dude, I could bench the bar with a two and a half on each side. I'm not joking. Like, they will vouch for you. 50 pounds, baby. The end end of my freshman year, I could bench 155, and that was the biggest jump in weight that over anybody. Anybody. Because I went from benching uh, 50 pounds to uh, 155 pounds. So I went up 105 pounds in a year and how much I could do. I think it was all just on technique and stuff, but that was he pushed me to do that. But where I did excel in weightlifting was with my legs and my power cleans. I couldn't really jerk it that well, but I could power. <laughs> <laughs> I knew, I knew that was coming. I could, I couldn't. Literally, literally. all right. That was a two. Anyways, <laughs> anyways. So, but that's gonna seg. So, Coach Roberts was that tough mentor that always pushed me to do better. Now, as far as the weightlifting side, I want to say Coach Humphreys really motivated me on a more calm, not so violent, not so like, (laughs) you know, kind of level. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was a Vietnam vet. He was a golden glove boxer. You know, he was, I mean, he was the man, right? But one or two of those right hooks. Yeah. But coach, coach Coach Humphreys was that calm voice. Like after you didn't get a rep, he'd come up to you like, Hey man, what didn't you do right? Or, Hey, why didn't you get that? I'll tell you when, after you tell me why you didn't get it. So I remember we were maxing. I don't know if it was my freshman or, or sophomore year. And I think you were in – I think it was our second period weightlifting class. I think it was my sophomore that year. Been, that had to have been sophomore year then. Yeah, so 
I want to say we were in that we were maxing one one day, and it was like boom, two twenty five, boom, two thirty five, boom, two forty five, and I was just going like it wasn't even it didn't feel like it was getting any heavier for me, and then I got to like two sixty five, two seventy, and I, I wanted to keep going. I wanted to keep going, and he was like, oh, "You got to go to class." And I, he, he let me go up until I went to try for 280, and I couldn't get it. And then I had to go to class. But he, he let me stay because I, I kept going, you know. And I, I think it was just the adrenaline and the momentum I was gaining is why I kept getting more and more. But he was that calm voice. It was like you had the extreme and then the, the other calm one that was, that was, you know, would bring you down to earth and be like, hey, you know, like, what's going on? Why didn't you do that? Right. What, what happened? You know, so those are my two coaches in high school that I looked up to the most as far as and so my other my third which would be a mentor to me would be my platoon sergeant when I got to Fort Bragg his name was sergeant first class sergeant first class oh man I'm having a brain fart now please don't do this oh my goodness that is a weird name. sergeant sergeant first class <laughs> sergeant first class Larry Wilson hey, I knew yeah. I had it. It, was, it was right there he was the kind of leader that led from the front he, when, when he was telling you to do something, he showed you what was going on, and then he expected you to do it that way. He didn't just tell you to do something and expect you to do it. He showed you. And he is the one who trained us up to go to Afghanistan. So he, sh- he trained us up on all the, the tactics, techniques, and procedures that we were going to use over there to react to contact, to react into an IED blast, to things that were going to really matter the most that were going to keep us alive. And uh, we came home with everybody we deployed with. And I credit that to the training that that man gave us and the mindset that that man gave us and the togetherness and brotherhood that that man gave us uh, through tough training, through uh, disciplinary action, just through through bonding with us, through being down to earth, not being a, a leader that was like gung-ho on pushing that he was higher ranked than you or or playing that leader role like he was good at you know, there's a time and a place for everything. If, you know, we were sitting in the barracks chilling after a mission, we could be talking about, he was a huge Redskins fan, like how RG3 was doing. It was like right out, I think it was RG3's rookie year or something, like 2012 or something like that. 2011. No, 2000, had to been 2012. It's when we were over there. But anyways. Yeah, 2012. Yeah, so our down, we'd be talking, shouting down the hallway. Uh, Seeger was a huge Cowboys fan, so they would always bicker back and forth and stuff. So it was, he wasn't that guy you couldn't, not you like you had to be serious around all the time. You could cut loose when it was when it was time for it. So he was the you know as far as a mentor in life and the guy who taught me how to survive and taught me to be a man. That dude right there is he's right up there too with those other two that I mentioned. That's awesome, man. You know, and I'm glad you talked about you know different stages in your life because that's definitely because you went from you know. Have, especially in, uh, going into the military, so he was kind of like your coach in the military, like you said. Like yeah. you know, he taught you how to be a man after you know after sports and after school. Exactly, that's just really, so like really cool. So like in football, the coach teaches you the plays, right? Teaches you the playbook. In the army, your leadership teaches you the tactics, the techniques, the procedures, the way you do your job. In football, you got a job to do. Your position as a combat engineer in a twenty man platoon you got your own individual job as that man in the platoon you're either a machine gunner you're a breacher you're the guy who carries the explosives you know you're just you have a different specific task that you have to do and and i just try to correlate everything correlates to, to sports man i mean you can bring 
every aspect of life back to sports and what you can learn. And that's why I always advocate for it because it's such a good teacher from a very young age all the way through being an adult. That is true. Uh, when you were talking about your um, your favorite coach, you kind of alluded to your relationship with your dad, but didn't speak much on it. Do you care to elaborate on that? And kind of talk about your yeah, relationship. We, yeah, with we your can dad? talk. Yeah, we can talk about it. Absolutely. So, my parents got divorced when I was five years old, and uh, so I was very young. Don't have a lot of memories with him. Uh, younger than that, my memories that I do have with him are like every other weekend going over to his house. Me and my brother are literally sitting inside playing video games or going to the beach and getting fried to a crisp every single <laughs> weekend, dude. He didn't put sunscreen on us. Like I, I got sun poisoning quite a few times, and um, I had to remember how – I mean, I don't know if I had those sunspots. Like, uh, I don't want to say anybody else, but somebody else had them too that is in our friend group. But um, we, know you're, we know exactly you're Exactly. So, and I, I think that is from when he would take us to the beach so much and not use sunscreen on us, and we would just get – absolutely fried so it wasn't it was never anything fun with him the only thing i really do have memories of with him or like around him as far as like my uncle or my grandpa is motorsports so i did grow up around motorsports as a kid i didn't play any sports as a kid until high school but i did grow up around motorsports in the form of drag racing uh nascar so my grandfather had a drag car that they would go uh, race at various tracks and then my uncle and my grandfather uh, had a friend that was racing in NASCAR and they would go travel the country, you know, helping him uh, do that, you know, as far as crew chief, helping with the car, things like that. So I always grew up watching the races with my grandpa, you know, my dad kind of, sort of, but you know, he was, <sighs> my dad was very smart, but I mean, he's not, he's never going to listen to this. So I really don't care. Uh, he, he's very smart, <laughs> man. He's not, I'm just being honest, uh, you know, so but he was just kind of lazy. Like he would get off work and he would just sleep. You know, he wouldn't really do much with us. So I don't really have that much of a relationship with him. And I think that, you know, part of that is the reason why, you know, I ended up joining the military. I didn't have a dad. I didn't have somebody to teach me how to become a man. I was raised by my mother and my grandmother um, for the most part. And I did have a, a mom's fiance there for a few years of my life that taught me some things that I, I use to this day. But, you know, I think the lack of my father and, um, just my journey through, you know, being a young kid to, you know, becoming a young man is what drove me to join the military. So, but yeah. And like I said, and, um, so I didn't really have any sports experience with my dad. Um, he really wasn't big on sports like that. Um, never really pushed me to do anything. Uh, yeah. So that's why I really didn't really didn't play sports until high school. And I think that's why I wasn't really athletically there because I never had any experience with it. So I just had fun. I've learned, Early stage when I started playing sports, I was like, I'm not very good at this, but this is really fun. So I'm just going to keep doing it. And I just, that's the mindset I kept through all four years of high school when I had a blast until my senior year. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for opening up about that. You know, it's yeah. not easy to talk about your relationship with no. that when it's not actually great. Yeah. No, it's, it's all good, man. And not everybody's life is, is, you know, sunshine and rainbows. Not everybody has the best relationship with their parents. And, you know, my mom is my best friend, but, you know, it's, it, I don't really have, somebody that I can lean on as a father. Um, now I do have father figures that I can lean on and I lean on them regularly. You know, as Mr. Bill, when I talk to him, you know, he, he was a father figure to me growing up, you know, when I moved to Palaka and 
and there's you know various other people. That's so. right. Shout out Wild Bill, baby. So I never, yeah. Shout so, out Cracker Pop. <laughs> <laughs> the best Pop. nickname ever. <laughs> so, but I never let that. I never let that. You know, bring me down or let it hinder me or keep me from doing anything. So, it's all good, man. So, any kids listening out there, man, if you don't have your dad in your life, it's okay, man. Just just keep pushing and you will find those people that will be your mentors and your father figures in your life. And they will guide you in the right direction. You just have to be able to see which ones are out there for your benefit or their benefit. There you go. That's so true, man. That is so true. Yep. Well, because I've seen that guys that see kids that don't have a father, they try to like want to take over and be that when it's not your place. So just find the guys that do it naturally, man. and, And don't try to, to push it, you know, just you'll see it. Yeah. Well, no, man, I, I like that. And, you know, like you said, you know, there might be someone there might be someone that listens to this that doesn't have a father figure and needed to hear that. Yeah, and, you know, exactly. That's, that's why we're doing this. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, yeah. I'm your daddy, too, so if you ever need to talk, man, you can, you can reach out to me. <laughs> I'll just call Cracker Pop if I need anything. <laughs> oh, man. Eventually, we'll elaborate on that. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. So, our, ne- our next question for Teddy is uh, – so, I don't get to experience this yet, and I'm, you know, I, I, sadly, I might not be able to when Case is a kid because I coach high school, but I will be able to when he gets into high school. RJ gets to experience this with his girls. You get to experience it with your son. So, you know, what's the best and worst thing about coaching your own child? Or for RJ, children. So, the best thing for me about coaching my son is to be out on the field and, and to see his development, you know, out there on the field. Uh, being able to help guide him through just becoming a little bit more uh, aware of what's going on on the field, uh, things like that. But just just being able to be out there and see him have fun and and experience something new and and watch him take it all in is is what's really rewarding for me. Um, now I know you're going to ask me what the worst or oh yeah, you did ask me what the worst thing is. So I would say the hardest thing is when he's out there and he wants to have a reason to cop out and quit practice or just, you know, be done for the day. I'm, I'm right there for him to run to me and say, daddy, I'm tired. Daddy, I'm hungry. Daddy, you know, it's always an excuse to get off of the field, right? Cause unfortunately our baseball field is right at the end of a runway. So the airplanes are constantly flying over our baseball field and that's all he does is stare at the airplanes. He is an airplane freak. I think he's going to be a pilot one day. He knows all the nomenclature. He knows the ins and outs of an airplane. He can tell you all the different, you know, the names of them. He's just a genius with airplanes. So when we're on the baseball field and there's an airplane around, he's not playing baseball. He's watching the airplane. That's <laughs> that's the hardest part is trying to get him to to focus and um, and not and also not trying to be biased to your own child on the on the field. You have to show every every kid on the team the same amount of attention and um, praise and. Um, and things like that. You can't just be, you can't show favoritism to your own child. So I try to, when we're doing drills, I try to let him get in somebody else's line, not my line. Cause he tends to want to act out or not listen when he's in my line. He, he listens to somebody else better than he listens to me. So I try to make him go get, or not make him, but just have another coach get him to come to his line. Uh, so those have been the, the challenges so far, but we haven't even played a game yet. We've, we're only, I think a month into practice. We're getting there every. I mean, every day, man. These kids are getting better and better, and it's it's so cool to watch them going from not knowing anything about baseball, never doing it before, to now they're fielding grounders and throwing them to first base. You know, so that, that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, that's awesome. <clears throat> I said that because I, I get to be out there with my kids and experience it. Mm-hmm. And it is a struggle trying to turn off that dad and turn into coach. Yeah. So I, I made it pretty clear to my kids. Also, as a disclaimer, my kids are a little bit older than four years old. So yeah, I can tell them, hey, you're not allowed to call me dad on the field. And they understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he makes them call him Colonel. Different. <laughs> Colonel, <laughs> but I do like it's just another way for us to bond. Like you always got to find something that you. Soccer is our thing for now, so we'll just absolutely so they until they don't really want to do it. I, yeah. I mean, Avery already doesn't want to do it. She she's told me straight up like I'm done with soccer, and I said that's fine. You just got to be the best cheerleader for your sister that you can, and that's what she yeah. Is. Exactly, and 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 I've always said if if Weston decides halfway through this season he doesn't want to play baseball anymore. I mean, that's fine, but you know, but we are going to finish the season out because we made the commitment. And then next season, we just don't have to sign up. We can sign up for something else. If you want to play soccer, or, you know, and you want to play flag flag football or something like that, you know, we can we can try something else. So that's it. But I want him to be committed. We we you said you wanted to play this year. We're going to play this year. You know, and give it the whole season. Maybe the last game of the year, he'll love baseball. I want to play next year. You know, so we're getting there. No, and I, I love what you said about, you know, he starts – he's got to finish it, man. Because I remember I didn't quit a sport until my senior year of college when I physically couldn't play football anymore. And I called dad crying. And I was damn, dang 23 years old at that time. Yeah. Because I felt like I was quitting because, like, I he never let me quit anything. And mm-hmm. I knew after, like, my first year playing football, I almost – I tell Chelsea all the time, believe it or not, I wanted to quit my first year playing football. <laughs> And after, I'm so glad I didn't because obviously I love it. I love it so much. It's my job now. But, uh, and yeah, that's just something so important that, you know, he could take in the life because I always tell kids, especially now, listen, every time you quit, it gets easier to quit the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. So now that we're on the top of quitting, I guess we'll, I'll, I'll allude to, to my quitting experience. So, senior year, as you both know, I, I switched to wide receiver, I ran track. Got faster at my forty. Got went to wide receiver. I felt that I was better at playing wide receiver than I was other position I'd played in my football playing experience. So I was like, you know, maybe this year I'll actually get some some playing time on offense. I was the long snapper, so I did get playing time. Let's, I was let's about just, to say you were, let's you go ahead and get that out of the way. I, I didn't warm the bench. I did get on the field on punts and extra points. Right. <laughs> so my senior year, right, I switched to wide receiver. I was like, man, I remember I caught this one bomb, dude, in a. I think we were doing seven on sevens right before season started. And uh, I caught this huge bomb. I was like, yeah, like, Coach, Coach Grice praised me. Like, dude, this is awesome. He noticed me. Maybe I'll, I'll get some – a little bit. I don't care if I only got two plays a game, man. Like, Who was something. our wide receiver coach that year? <sighs> it, the guy with the glasses. And the, I always wore that little uh, – That does not help at all. Coach like, Oliver. Hat. Coach Oliver. Was it, was it Coach Oliver? Okay. I believe so. I believe it was him. Okay. I think. I don't know. I've had a couple of concussions since then. So I, I really, I really, there's some things I don't remember. But um, anyway, so first game, preseason game against Gainesville East side. Um, I'm standing on the sideline, chilling, you know, helmet on, ready to go. We're on offense. Lavaris catches, you know, a big pass, goes, he's like, man, I'm tired. I need to come out for a second. Say to get me out. And I'm like, cool. It was a run play, right? All I had to do was walk out there and just block the corner. Uh, you know, nothing nothing hard, nothing big. Something I could do. I've done it in practice. Never gave up a play in practice doing that. Go out there to do it, and Coach Rice – I probably shouldn't drop names, but oh well. We don't care. Ripped me so bad. Like, you would have thought 
you I ripped somebody's face mask on third down like I did my junior year against East Side, and they got a touchdown on the next play. Like you would have thought that would have happened. All I did was take Lavar's side for one play and didn't give nothing up. And for him to to treat me like that after that, I, dude, I lost the love for playing football. I lost all that, dude. All that time that I had spent, you know, going to practice and giving up all that time after school that I could be doing so many other things because I wanted that one shot. Maybe I'll get better or good enough to be able to get some playing time. And then maybe I'll play in the game and then maybe I'll make that big play. That'll spark it for me. And then, you know, cause some athletes are like that. They're not good. And then they make one play and it, boom, it flips the switch in them. And then they become a freak, you know, I'm not saying that would have happened, but you know, I was a kid. with dreams not saying that I was, wouldn't have not. I was, yeah, say, exactly. never and know. I'm not, and I'm not. Yeah. So, I mean, just like every other kid, I was a kid with dreams. And for him to talk to me like that and treat me like that after such a minute thing, I was done. I turned in my pads that next day. I was I was, I was, was completely over it. And that's my biggest regret. And that's why I, I, I say that I want my son to be committed. I want him to at least finish out the season. If, he's, if he doesn't want to do it, that's fine. But just finish out what we started, and then we can try something else. So, Well, Pacetti, if – since you got in that one play our senior year, that means you played one more play than I did our whole senior year. Nice. Gotcha. In case you were wondering. Well. But I also had we got something on ending you. ankle surgery. And you know what sucks, too, is y'all went that to the morning. playoffs that year. I was We went from losing every single game, the lowest of lows. Like, I don't know if that's been brought up on this podcast yet. No, no, no. We lost no, every, single, every single game our junior year. We did not win one game. <laughs> oh and 10 we can laugh now, but it was not fun, right? It was a it joke. Was not fun. It was a joke, man. Walking down the hallways, people, you, we'd have our jerseys. Anything football related, they laugh at us. They, it was. We were literally a laughing stock at high school that year. We were. I mean, we still are. People still talk. Bro, about we it. were fighting our like. We had our own internal team fights after games. Like it was. Everybody was out for themselves. Everybody wanted. I mean, I'm sorry. I I, I got to say it, but everybody was out for themselves. Not everybody, but our. A lot of our big players, our key players that were really good, only cared about themselves, and that's why we didn't win any games. The S10 had a lot of dents. Dude, we had the tools to go a long way that year, and it it went the complete opposite way real fast. Anyways. That was a true moment. You know? So, but it happens, you know. You got to suck really hard in life to to come back out of it and be (laughs) better. Pause, pause, pause. Big pause. <laughs> Man, I'm just not but doing no. myself any justice tonight, am I? <laughs> no, you're showing the real you. <laughs> I haven't changed in uh, 15 years, guys. <laughs> All right, I'll go oh. Thanks for being open and honest so far. Yeah, no problem, man. It's just, uh, that's what I've... I've learned to accept – so my journey through dealing with my PTSD is is to accept the truth in life and just be as open as honest as you can with people. And, and in return, that gets you what, what you're looking for, right? If you're honest with people, it's going to push out all the negative people that you don't want around you. So That's right. just, you got to be honest. If you can't be honest with yourself, who can you be honest with? Amen. Hey, man. And you've had some truth bombs this podcast, and I appreciate that. Hey. I'm going to lead right into our This lap. is what happens when everybody picks on you when you're young. You become a, a guru <laughs> later in life. Yeah. So here, <laughs> lay one more on us. This is a new segment that we just thought about called Coach Em Up. And what we want you to do is just coach up the different dads out there that might be listening. Give your best piece of advice that you think can help somebody in their fatherhood journey. No matter how angry you get or how frustrated you get or how you feel like, like it's never going to get any better, 
like you're stuck in a rut. Like it's just you're stuck. It's, you're not. And there's things you can do to take your mind off of whatever is going on right now, and it will be better tomorrow. So don't always dwell on what's happening right now. Um, find little things that you can do to recenter yourself. Like I have my things. My wife respects those things. If I'm, you know, if I get, I, I have issues with my PTSD, I, I, I can get angry pretty quick. So if I notice my son's starting to really frustrate me, I'll just get up and walk away. I'll get him walk away for five, 10 minutes, calm down. And I'll walk, I'll say, all right, Weston, let's try this again. And we'll, whatever was going on, we'll try to, we'll try to tackle it again and, and in a more calm manner. So it's just, everything's always going to be all right. You just gotta, just gotta figure it out. You just gotta level yourself, recenter yourself. And then try again. I'd like to be the first to say I really appreciate the fact that you have mentioned uh, mental health uh, multiple times during the podcast. Because I think from an outsider perspective, a lot of men struggle with mental health but are too afraid to talk about it. And that's why we, that's one of the main reasons why we wanted to start this podcast, to give a place where men can feel comfortable coming and being open and talking yeah. about that kind of stuff. Because we all deal with our shit. Our, our yeah. stuff, sorry. No, that's all good. So, so before, yeah, well, I don't want to cut you off, but while, 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 since you just brought it up, like you say that men don't really come forward and want to talk about it. And like, there's a stigma about mental health. Like it makes you, makes you look weak and things like that. So when I first came back from Afghanistan, you have to do all these, these waiver or questionnaires, right? Medical questionnaires, mental health questionnaires. Well, this, a bunch of red flags came up on my mental health one. And, uh, you know, I went and I, I didn't, overlook it i was like i'm gonna figure this out because i had problems with it overseas i went and talked to a therapist while i was in afghanistan like i had to find ways to keep myself together in the most stressful most important time of my life to get all my brothers home like my job was to bring all these guys back alive and that's what i was gonna do so when i came back i started going through all these evaluations seeing these doctors and they're like hey we're gonna we're gonna make a discharge you with ptsd and uh, i noticed that everybody that i had deployed with went from like being my brother being right there with me, being my boy, to looking at me different. Tell me, like, looking at me like I was a, like a dirt bag. Like, everything that I had done for the last nine months, all the IEDs I found, all the success we had, like, all the awesome good times we had, all the memories we made, none of that mattered anymore. I was a dirt bag. I was a piece of crap. I was getting medically discharged out of the military, and I was just a dirt bag. And they made it seem like that all the way until I left. So, that's not the case. You're not a dirt bag. You're not. I'm gonna. I'm sorry for the cuss word. You're not a piece of shit. You're. You are worthy. You're a man. You have a brain that functions just like anybody else, and you got to take care of it. So, and the only person that can take care of that is you. Nobody else can do it. So you have to step forward and do it because they can't. It's a wound you can't see, right? It's not like you bust your head open on the ground. Hey, buddy, you're. You need to go to the doctor. You're bleeding everywhere, man. Like, you. You can't see it, you know. So you got to stay on top of that. Don't let anybody opinion keep you away from getting help like at the end of the day are they there are they for are they there for you are they living in your home making your meals are they your family you know no their opinions don't matter so take care of you and yes this is a podcast geared toward fathers but we do have female listeners and this is important for them as well yes absolutely a thousand percent thousand percent you know this is when me and rj were talking about you know who we wanted on. And when you, I told him you text me and said about it. And my first thought was, you know, this is going to be great. Cause I know percent and well, you know, it, you know, we know you talked to us about it, that you struggle with your PTSD and your gardening is your gardening is kind of your outlet. 
Mm-hmm. So I knew, you know, when that I said he, I thought to myself, he's going to come bring up the topic of mental health, and it's going to he's going to be able to help somebody with it. Yeah, and that's my goal, man. That's that's the whole reason I started my social media page. That's the whole reason I I do what I do with my my gardening and. And that's, that's honestly, I feel like that's what my calling is in life is to help other people who struggle with mental health, find their, find their reason, find their purpose again. Right. So veterans struggle the most when they get out because they lose their purpose. They're not kicking indoors anymore. They're not shooting machine guns every day. They're not playing with explosives anymore. They're not driving around in tanks. They're bagging groceries. They're selling plumbing hardware. They're doing, you know, you don't have that purpose anymore. So you got, they struggle with finding that. And I found that and I want other people to experience it. That's awesome. Yeah. And then Joe, you just want to be a veteran and you it can be anybody who's yeah. you know, never served. It can be anybody. Yeah, exactly. So I just, I relate to veterans because I am one and that's my community. Right. Well, you know, we appreciate you being so open and honest with us during this episode, man. And, so for our wrap up, you know, we just want to thank you honestly for being on here. I know we've been trying since last week, you know, to get everybody scheduled together, but you know, we're all dads. We all we all oh, yeah. have different stuff going on right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, setting apart some time where we can sit and talk. It's really just like catching up with friends doing this. Honestly, it is. And, it, uh, well, because we are friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, we said, I used to think we're still friends. No, we are. So, I want you to, you know, where can they find you on social media? I know you t- you've touched on it a few times. You just know what's your names on social media. So if anybody wants to reach out, uh, yeah, I'm at Combat Gardener on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Um, you can find me on those platforms. I do have a YouTube channel, uh, Combat Gardener. I really only have like one or two videos on there. Uh, I haven't had much time to dedicate to that. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Uh, check out all my gardening endeavors. Message me with any any help you need in the garden, uh, any questions, things of that nature. Like, uh, subscribe. Yeah, like, <laughs> subscribe, right. follow, and share with your friends, baby. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so we got our dad jokes. I know Do you got a good one, Pacetti. I was about oh. to say, I think Pacetti's got – let's let Pacetti end it because I feel like he's going to bring it home with it. Okay, so the other day, right, I was at my buddy's house, and he was showing me around his new house. And then we, we went out to the shed, and he, he pointed over in the corner and said, hey, man, you see that ladder over there? And I was like, yeah. He said, that's my step ladder. He put his head down. And he said, I never knew my real ladder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was good. Uh, I, so I found that one last week, and I was like, I've got to use that one on there. That's a good one. That was i got to use that one. I did play the story up a little bit. The actual joke was a little shorter, so I, uh, I, I improv that a little bit. I appreciate that. It, it added to it. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take credit. On. Well, that's we'll my joke. That, that was my joke now. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, commandeering it. There you go. <laughs> I can't even follow that one up. No, come on. Give me what All you right. got. I got one. Why didn't the ghost take the job? Why's that? He just couldn't see himself doing it. <laughs> that's pretty good well thank you guys I appreciate that and I know that a lot of people are going to get a lot of value out of this episode hey where's your dad joke I don't have a dad boom oh, oh my gosh <laughs> alright yeah well, that <laughs> dark dad joke <laughs> that was a dark dad joke oh man well, see guys, that's, good, that's I, the good thing about friends alright yeah. I appreciate both you guys, you know, being here tonight. You know, I love both you guys. Hope you all are doing well. You know, if you need me, call me. 
Absolutely. You know, I'll, I'll be texting both of y'all when I'm done with this. Cool. Love y'all. Y'all be good. All right. yeah, love love y'all, boys, too. Y'all take it easy. Thanks for having me. All right.